0: everybody we're back with another episode of midnight on earth i'm your host jake weaver and we're here to bring you more knowledge more light and more love we have a wonderful stellar guest today mr william Pcholsky. he runs the portland psychic school along with a wonderful team we're going to talk to him in just a second but first i need you to do something for me Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You go there, you follow me. We stay connected when the new episodes drop. You know about it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcast, click that button that connects us. So again, you know exactly what's going on in real time as things happen. And most importantly. Word of mouth. Please tell a friend, people that would love to know about the Portland Psychic School and all the wonderful, amazing topics that we talk about. Midnightonearth.com. All right. So now that's out of the way. We're going to talk to William. First, I got to read his bio. So here you go. William Pacholski. And this is from his perspective. This is his words. I am passionate about my vocation, helping others help themselves guiding sensitive seekers and those on the path of the mystic to take back ownership of their energy and move forward in life towards their spiritual and creative goals. Sensitive to energy my whole life, I've been honing my practical technique as a psychic healer and channel and also my personal craft as a mystic teacher and spiritual director for two decades. My professional practice alongside the school I created is the fruit of a lifetime of study in mysticism, creative business, and entrepreneurship, and as an artist. Developing my tools as a young adult in conservatory style, craft-focused art schools, I am enthusiastic and passionate about bringing the same attention, discipline, and focus to the art of being psychic, both for the benefit of my clients and for those who wish to learn how to more directly embody their own creative spirit and through that, their divinity. And here's a little bit about the Portland psychic school. They say that cultivating your psychic abilities is one of the best ways to make a positive impact in your own life. And also in the lives of those around you and the world as a whole, just like a painter works with color, a writer works with words, a musician with sound, the psychic works with energy as a tool To create magic and a life of meaning, our trainings focus on seeing the world and relating to the world through its spiritual aspects first and foremost. From there, the body and the mind follow your creative spirit on the journey. All right. Hello, William. How are you doing today? so good you're here.
1: Hi, Jake. Uh, Hearing you read all that out loud, I'm like, oh, man, I sound so of bullshit. <laughs> <Pardon>
0: my <friend. laughs> No, because you're helping people understand this language that you're using in your bio, which I pulled from both your website and the Portland Psychic School website, yeah. is the language that helps people understand what you're trying to do. I mean, we're trying yeah, to for sure. really point out the seriousness and the power of what what you're trying to bring to the table with the Portland Psychic School and and more. Thank you.
1: It's really good to be here. Thanks for inviting me on your show.
0: Yeah, I want to hear about everything, but I want to hear your story first. (laughs) I want to hear about the school and the trainings and the retreats. There's so much going on, but I want to hear about your story first. Tell me when in your life you first started to feel like you were a psychic. You first started having these feelings and thoughts.
1: I think like anybody who identifies as a sensitive, it was, um, like, I don't even, re- I, I just have always done this thing that I, I didn't have the language to talk about. I didn't have anybody to talk to, talk about it too, when I was a kid. But I remember being very young and um, being hyper aware of people's energy, uh, whether that was emotional energy or sort of psychic energy, which those are two kind of different things. One's the body, one's the spirit. But um, just being really sensitive and aware, like I remember, um, I used to play this game when we were in the car, uh, when I would sit in the back seat of the, my parents' car and I would look in the cars next to us on the road and I would make up stories about those people, except I think what I was doing was reading, I was reading about their life. Like I was reading them is what I was doing, but I didn't know that's what I was doing. And then I would also, I was like aware of people's kind of fourth chakra or identity energy. And I remember having this conversation with my mom once where I was like, hey, like um, Aunt Susie is like that woman at your work. They're like the same. And my mom was like, what are you talking about? They're like nothing like each other. They're like totally different. And I was like, no, but what I was doing was I was aware of like that they run their energy similarly or that they sort of have some similar energy pictures in their space. And even as a young child, I was like super aware of that. I just didn't have any, I didn't know what I was doing. you know. So when you ask about my story, I think I don't even know when it starts because I think I've just always been really sensitive to energy in that way.
0: So when did you first come into contact with someone that had a little more information about what you were experiencing that maybe helped open you up a little bit?
1: Yeah, well, what's what I think is cool about what I call the sort of path of the mystic is that I think oftentimes your journey to learning sort of about your abilities doesn't happen in a psychic space. So for me, um, because I was so sensitive to energy, I was looking for an outlet for that. And I found the arts, I found theater. Um, and from a very young age, I was, uh, even in elementary school, I was involved in, um, productions and performances at school and, uh, wanted to be an actor I think as long as I can go back and remember. So, um, that, to me, I think what I was seeing is people who were actors, and I don't mean celebrities or performers, that's a different thing, but I like real actors who are sort of channeling a character, channeling an energy. I think I was seeing them do the thing that I know I could do, even though I didn't have the context or the language for it, and kind of wanting to express that sort of psychic ability through that craft. So um, I, I think I first started learning about being psychic by being an actor and by then through that sort of becoming, I went to college for directing um, and was really immersed in the performing arts for most of my young adult life um, until my early twenties. And I think I learned a lot about being psychic through my training in theater and as an actor and a director, working with actors who are channels for energy and being able to coach them and help them be more effective and efficient. I had no idea that that had anything to do with being psychic or that that Was in a way an expression of being psychic. But I think that's really where my journey started.
0: But you were sensitive enough to realize at that point that there was some sort of disassociation and bringing in this other energy in the art of acting Mm -hmm. because you have to take on the entirety of the character you're playing if you're a good actor. And yeah, that (laughs) you noticed, you noticed then that that was some form of channeling. Like you couldn't really define it per se yes. but but you notice it. You're i like, would oh.
1: never have used that language <laughs> but i think that's why i was attracted to it right i was like oh whatever they're doing over here is like what i do and i think i want to be good at that i want to learn <sighs> how to do that now the now what's funny about that is that i went to theater school and i studied as i said in my um, bio um, i studied in sort of craft focus so i went to like a high school that had a really strong performing arts um, program and i went to a conservatory style college where um, it was very practical application based for theater training. And um, so I've studied in like conservatory style schools, which are all about experience and learning through direct experience rather than through text or um, sort of somebody telling you how to do it. You just get up and do it, right? It's kind of a conservatory style training. So uh, when I went through and did that, what I, what I think I realized is that in my theater training, there no one was talking about spirit so it's funny i like was like i think my answer is over here and i went and did that except i got there and then i was like but there's this thing you guys are all leaving out of this and so it (laughs) felt incomplete to me and then that made me go seek out another answer which is kind of how i found the psychic stuff was being sort of unfulfilled by theater after a certain amount of time
0: were there other people in the theater world that had the same kind of understanding that you did. I mean, of course the great actors and people trying to be great actors know that there's some kind of art form and taking on the energy of a character, but were other people around you taking it to the next level of understanding that you had achieved?
1: Um, I don't know if on the same timeline, I think, you know, there's people that I went to college with that I, you know, I'm still friends with them on Facebook and I sure. see sort of where they're at in their life. And I'm like, Oh, they found their, they, they they're it. into the same things I am, <laughs> you know, it just took, you know, maybe it took them a little longer. Or they went on a different bit. Um, You know, and I think there is, and this show isn't about theater as a psychic craft, but I have hey, a lot to say about that.
0: We can but talk there about is,
1: that. <laughs> I think there is a difference. I think there is a difference between real acting and sort of performing or celebrity as acting. Right. So there's actors that, we know sort of lose themselves and their role. those these are the actors that we celebrate um, as artists rather than just celebrities you know and i think there is a real distinction in that and i think a lot of people that go into theater are in one camp or the other right uh, and i neither of them are wrong i think there's room for both it's just too there's a lot of different sort of style in acting it's a it's a much more nuanced thing yeah
0: right well we know the best people the best humans that are out there acting fully understand this stuff and that's why they're making millions Mm -hmm. of dollars a picture and and they're very very wealthy in that respect but that acting led you to go deeper into understanding your psychic self so tell me about that a little bit so you take the next step where did you go to find that information
1: well i you know i this was all happening concurrently with my life you know so there's the part of me that's the artist that's like seeking out craft and trying to master craft and learn you know, how to do a craft. Um, and then there's like me, the human being who's, you know, this like 20 year old queer kid trying to figure out where I fit in, in the late nineties, early two thousands, which was like a weird time on the planet. Definitely. Well, we're in a weird time now, but it was even weirder back then. We didn't have cell phones right. Exactly.
0: But it was harder. Um, I'm sure you and I
1: are similar enough in age that it was like a weird you know, it's a weird, oh, yeah. it was a weird time, but um, I think there was something deeply missing in my life that had nothing to do with acting or theater or even being psychic. It was like this: I, I, my life was sort of falling apart. I had been very successful, and every anything I put my mind to in, you know, high school, college, and then a couple years out of college, uh, I had moved to Chicago and was working in the professional theater in Chicago, and uh-huh. I just was really depressed. I was like unfulfilled I felt really empty even though I was having all the success that I thought I wanted it was I was in a really rough space and um, I was sort of seeking other answers and to understand sort of what was happening to and inside of me in relationship to all this um, and a friend of mine was like hey there's this meditation class I, I she had taken it and she was like I think you would get a lot out of it I think you, you would really like it I was like I'll and try anything at this point I was like just point me just somebody sure. put a blindfold on me and point, it's like pin the tail on the yeah, dog please and help point me in some direction yeah. um, so on the advice of this friend I took this meditation class and from the first hour of the class um, I remember at the break going up to the teacher and saying like I don't know what this is that you're teaching but I've been looking for this my- like you are so speaking directly to me and the teacher kind of laughed and was like, Yeah, like I get that every now and then. Like somebody <laughs> says that, you know, like I'm glad you're glad you're enjoying it. I was sure, like, yeah, sure. totally and I and sat back down. But I was like, whatever this is, I'm like here to soak it up. And I'm like, this is my path. And I felt very connected to myself um, being in that kind of space where being psychic was being acknowledged and talked about in a very sort of practical, real way.
0: Like, yeah, like it's just a normal everyday thing. It wasn't like this exterior strange outside force your life what you're experiencing you finally found that point where these people were treating it like it's just another normal thing and that was really good for you
1: right right they were talking about how like you walk into a room and you feel uncomfortable like something's off in here and like you're not wrong like something's probably off in there right and i just just to have something that simple validated you know, where it's like, instead of intellectualizing it and being like, well, like, don't let your mind play tricks on you. It's like, no, that's your sensing energy and you're reading it. I was like, wait, I'm not, I'm not wrong when I feel that way. I'm not wrong when I sense or pick up on something about someone or myself or the room that I'm in. And, just to have that validated was like, I mean, it just like blew my mind.
0: Yeah. I'm sure that validation feeling was powerful for you because you know, it's, and they were older than you too, like peers and probably right. Like people that were in a different generation, like, so that was there too. So they had more life experience. So it's just like, you kind of feel that more. You're like, wow, these people really are living this. So then that, what did that do for you? So you had that validation and then what were the next steps that you, before you started doing readings?
1: Well, I, so I immersed myself immediately. This was a school in Chicago. It, they have since closed, it's not there anymore. But um, I immersed myself immediately in training um, and started doing readings, I think to like maybe six or seven weeks after that first class, wow. I was sitting in a room. And that's the thing about all this stuff and the thing that I tell people who come to, the, to my school now that I sort of run this place, um, people come in and I'm like, I can sit you down and have you reading energy in 10 minutes. It's like, it's not hard. We do it all the time. It's just, you're not aware of it as something that you can consciously do rather than it happening to you, that you can sort of sit down and sort of make it happen rather than it being something that just happens. So within like maybe six, seven, eight weeks, I was sitting in readings like that student. I know you got a reading at my school, yes, which yes. I'm to talk about. Um, but just like that student, I was like sitting, reading some stranger and um, sort of right away.
0: Wow, that's really powerful. And does that lend itself to the idea that all humans are psychic in some way? Are we all psychic but just undeveloped?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the funny thing about doing this, as long as I've been doing this, so, you know, I talk about taking that meditation class years ago, and that was about 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, And so I've been sort of in this, immersed in this for a really long time. And every time I tell people what I do, every single person has a story about
0: it. Like some psychic experience that they've had. And they wanted to share it with you. Oh, Aunt Judy yeah, died, you know, and I thought about Aunt Judy dying. This one, yeah, this one day
1: I, <laughs> I had a dream about my grandma, and then I found out the next morning that she died that night. Or, um, you know, this one time I was like looking for something, and you know, it it was in my bag all along. And like I, you know, like just they're ranging from the very simple to the very complex and nuanced. Um, Every single person that I've ever talked to has had some experience of sensing, seeing, or knowing something that there's no um, practical or logical reason why they should have sensed that or seen that or known that. It just it happened.
0: So. Yeah, information coming from outside of time and space, like impossible right. information. But then. what happens then if let's say everyone's psychic and then they all develop their psychic powers in a way that's fully functional. What would that mean for humanity? If everyone was psychic like that, where or at least fully aware of their psychic powers and using them?
1: Well, let's break that down for a second because everyone's psychic, but there's a million different ways to be psychic and there's a million there's as many unique ways to be psychic as there are people. Really? So let's be careful not to lump all psychics as doing the same thing or having the same agenda
0: right. with it. Right. Cause they all have specialized right. focuses, so, right? They have different focuses. Sure. Different. And,
1: and, and I know some psychics that are not interested in helping or healing, that they're using that ability for their own, um, agenda, which may be different than the agenda of other psychics or different than other people, you know, like, like, because it's a natural human ability, like any natural human ability, it can be used for whatever agenda you apply to it or put on top of it. So when you say what would happen to humanity, if we were all psychic, I would say it's already happening. We are all psychic, everyone's using it for their own agenda, or is unconscious to it. And so we're already living in that. The question would be, what would happen if people started being consciously psychic? Aha! Yes, and how would that
0: change it? Yes, they were all fully activated. Whoa! If you could guess, let's say they every human on Earth went to your school, (laughs) and they all graduated with flying colors.
1: Well, first of all, I would quit and close. That would be overwhelming. (laughs) Uh, No thanks. (laughs) Um,
0: No, I like. Because people talk about, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but people talk about these higher yeah. frequency beings like angels and even extraterrestrials. We talk about this on our podcast a lot. And they talk about living in that way where they're beyond verbal communication, they're communicating psychically, they're communicating outside of time and space. And that would, seem to indicate that it would be a higher level of existence. So if we did activate ourselves in that way, if if all humanity were consciously aware of what they were doing, would we then be like kind of like a different type of human?
1: Well, there's a presupposition in your question that higher frequency means better or gooder. Ooh. And I don't believe that to be true. Really?
0: Tell me more, so please.
1: You're, so there's an assumption in there that beings that work out of the body or don't have human bodies are somehow having a better experience of the universe or of the world than we are and i don't find that to be true i think that the human ex- i think that the human experience is rarer than the out of body experience and that there's more meaning richer growth and opportunities to grow and evolve in the body than there are out That's why we would, that's why a being would take a body. That's why a spirit would want to have a human lifetime is because the sort of, the sort of sandpapery roughness of being in the world in a body and all the things that you encounter, all the idiots and jerks and, awful situations (laughs) and dramas and all these sort of humanness right that we're all kind of trying to escape (laughs) is actually where all of the magic is that's where all the growth is that's where all the evolution happens you know the lotus flower grows in the mud right so you can't have the flowering without the mud and you know that's not me that's buddha right? right so you have to have this and so Part of what we teach here is how to get in your body as a being,
2: okay. and how
1: to have the experience of being psychic and have your abilities and your awarenesses turned on from inside of you, rather than it being an out-of-body or an external experience.
2: Ah.
1: So when you're in the body, having that experience and having your psychic abilities, you can use your abilities to enhance your participation in your life rather than it being about helping or healing or supporting other people's experience first
0: but some people might say that that was like selfish i guess to like use your powers to enhance your own life but are you saying it's beneficial if you're using it in a way that's benefiting your life in a karmically good way i guess is a way to say it or what what would you think about that
1: Well, there's as many ways as there are people. Anytime you're going to make a generalized statement in that space, you're going to run into the, but what about the Holocaust people? Right. So it's like that argument always comes in to shut down. What I feel is the potential of the human spirit, which is that when we all fill our own cups, we naturally, like the media would have you believe that we're all awful human beings. I know. Given the opportunity would run a, Given, given the opportunity we're gonna <laughs> run around and kill people or rape people or murder people yeah. or like punch people in the street. Like, you know, if you listen to some of these arguments, they would have you believe that we're naturally um, sinful or wrong, that sort of concept of original sin that we have to be fixed. And I don't believe that to be true and I don't see that to be true when I read people. What I find is that people are naturally very helpful to other people when they have time and space and resources to give. Yes. So, you know, when you're on a plane, they tell you to put your own mask on first and then help your neighbor. That's that's really all I'm saying. There's a lot of people running around trying to heal other people, but they haven't healed themselves. And I don't know that you can really help other people until you're coming from a space of having integrity of energy, integrity of space, integrity of self. And then there's so much you can give and you it's effortless. You just give by showing up because you have so much.
0: And it's so true that you next- can't, yeah, it totally makes sense. And it's so true that you can't take care of anyone else until you're taken care of. That's the most important thing in a way, because you know, you're using your abilities to enhance your life, but then you can also give back to the universe. That just makes you stronger. That just makes you better. You know, I'm a big proponent yeah. of abundance consciousness and and realizing that everything's infinite. You know, so there's just a different way of yeah,
1: looking. Yeah, yeah. And it's also not, right? We're living in a I mean, there. We're in competition for resources with other people every day. So what I'm also saying is, it's okay as a psychic to learn how to read energy, so that you can get a better job, or that you can uh, be more uh, present and conscious in your relationships and have relationships that are beneficial to you and helpful to you and pleasurable for you. Like being psychic isn't fair, and. I have, we have a lot of students come in that want to take like our um, art of the seer training, which is sort of about turning on your clairvoyance. And they're like, I want to read other people and help other people. And I'm like, that's great, except help yourself first. So that then you have time and space and resources to help other people, right? right? You have to sort of heal yourself first. And sometimes that means applying your own talents to your own life rather than using it simply of service to others.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And really you're trying to get people back to a more natural state because our more natural state is having these gifts and being consciously aware that they're there. Do you think that, over time, that religion maybe suppressed humanity in a way to kind of turn these gifts you off? I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes.
0: <laughs> so, can you elaborate about that a little bit more from your perspective? Like, how, how in history have these gifts been suppressed? Religion and and what what else do you think?
1: Well, I think any time, and I'm gonna one hundred percent sidestep your question. Okay. Uh, but I think any time that you put the locus of attention and spirituality outside of yourself, you're moving in the wrong direction or you're moving in a direction that you will someday have to come back through. Um, there may be things for you to learn on that journey, but you're going to have to come back to yourself at some point. Um, so where I think over the last couple thousand years, humanity has been in a really weird space is that we've put all of the authority and all of the, um, sort of locus of attention around spirit and our own divinity uh, outside of us rather than inside the spark of the divine being inside. And so going inside is the way you find your connection to the divine rather than
0: going out. Well, I think it's funny that, you know, we talk about how these religions have suppressed these gifts in humanity because they somehow didn't resonate with the beliefs. but And yet you look at the figures that are, considered the messiahs or leaders of these religions and they exhibit all the gifts the psychic gifts the energy healing all these different things that they were trying to suppress it's a a very strange uh very strange paradox there
1: but well but but it's not strange jake actually i'm going to make an analogy that i think you'll
2: like
0: oh yeah
1: if you ever want, when I was, I had a corporate career too, for many years and I used to uh, produce uh, sort of large scale corporate events. Um, okay. And I worked, I was usually a talent producer. So I would work with, I worked, I've worked with a lot of celebrities and singers. Um, they're always great. It's always the people around them <laughs> that are jerks. Right. So I think it's a very similar analogy when you look at sort of the, um, you know, the saints or the prophets or the gurus that have come to the planet with new levels of information or activating new levels of conscious vibration on the planet or bringing healing to humanity, like, which is a profound and wonderful thing to sort of be a channel for. It's never, they're never the problem. It's always.
0: The people around them.
1: (laughs) It's always the managers. The enforcers. Yeah. And create this structure around the magic that is about control and controlling who gets it and who doesn't, who has it and who doesn't. And um, so I, I actually, I think, I think we're kind of still living in that in a way.
0: (laughs) But we're growing out of it. The pictures
1: just changed a little bit. I mean, just the fact that
0: you can have your school and it's so mainstream. And I mean, you know, a hundred years ago, I guess there were pockets of Renaissance here and there, but you know, it would have been kind of looked, down upon at certain points in american history oh my god jake
1: listen i mean you can buy you can buy aromatherapy at target right Right. i remember back in the 90s when it was like a like i don't know that the essential oils (laughs) i don't know that's so woo -woo, you know now it's like you go into target they have an essential oil aisle like in a way like the new age kind of happened right like yes
0: it's just the gradual shifting right So, so when did you know in your life that you wanted to organize this school? You you seem to have a great team of people working with you, focusing on Uh, different aspects, but but when did you make the choice, the leap, I would say, to go from just doing personal readings to being a person heading a full-fledged school?
1: Jake, I have to choose it every day. (laughs) (laughs) There is never one day where I'm like, this is what I'm doing. I have to choose it every day. And I think all vocation and all passion Um, requires you to choose it every single day of your life. I think that's true for a violinist. I think it's true for an actor who gets up every morning and auditions and auditions and auditions and never gets cast. That actor has to choose being an actor every single day until they don't. Right. And they're like, I want to do something else. So, um, again, I'm sort of sidestepping your question, but I, I do have to choose every day. I did not think that this is what I would be doing with my life. Um, and I don't say that I don't say that to stimulate that I don't feel valued or feel like <laughs> this is of value. Uh, I just am still surprised every day that I get to do this and that it's real and that um, and it's hard. It's really like a lot of people like any vocation, it's there's days that are challenging. Um, You know, my students challenge me all the time as a teacher, which I think is the best thing. Like, I I don't want to be in a room where everybody's like, oh, my God, you're right and amazing all the time. Right. So, you know, there's challenging energies. There's a lot of like being in a space of hyper growth with a large group of people brings waves of energy through the through the room or through the community or through even my own space that, um, you know, I get knocked down, but I get up again. For a little chummbo
0: woman <laughs> yeah. um, well, was there a catalyst though like was there like some moment in 2015 you started your school in 2015 was there a point at the end of 2014 or was there some epiphany <laughs> you had or or something you channeled maybe there was some message you got from the divine what, what was that catalyst
2: well
1: yeah so I was ready for a change in my life I was getting ready to turn 40. Um, and I was kind of fed up with my corporate job and I'd been doing the like, psychic stuff kind of on the side along with a full-time career, um, as a corporate event manager and was just kind of, you know, I was basically Jake, I was tired <laughs> of having like two gigs and sort of <laughs> hustling before hustling was a thing. And, um, I was actually in Paris, I was visiting some friends in Paris and I was, it, it's a beautiful picture. I was sort of sitting on a rooftop at sunset in Montmartre and uh hanging out with two friends and talking about sort of what was important to us and what we wanted for our future you know it's just looking back. back it was kind of like a prescient beautiful moment
0: grand moment
1: and we were all talking yeah we were all talking about like what we wanted and what we wanted our lives to be like and um the, one of the friends i was with was like well, what are you waiting for why don't you just do it and i think i got on the plane the next day home from, it was last night I was there and I got on the plane and I was like, I think I'm going to do it. Uh-huh. Um, so I got back, I was living in Chicago at the time and I got back and, um, wanted to move to the West coast. I'd already lived in San Francisco for a couple years and didn't want to move South. So I was like Seattle or Portland. And I was like, Portland's where all the cool kids are. And I like <laughs> food. And it seems we do like a have good good food here. city to live in for food. So I was like, <laughs> I like food and beer. So I was like, I guess it's Portland. Like, I'm moving to Portland. And, that's, wow. and then I moved here and started this school.
0: Wow. Um, and, and when did you start to like kind of attract other uh, team members, people to help you kind of fulfill your vision?
1: Well, it was, I mean, it was both me reaching out to people that I had brushed up against in my studies and in my time. Um, you know, I was, I had also taught at a school in Chicago for some time. So there are people that I had sort of brushed up against or knew or had been colleagues with before. And I was like, Hey, I'm starting this thing. This is kind of my vision for it. Do you have any interest?" And I've been very lucky. I had a couple of good friends um, actually moved to Portland to be a part of the school, uh,
2: which wow. was
1: very validating um, that they wanted to be a part of my vision so badly that they would move their lives here, which is extraordinary to me. Um, so I feel very, blessed and very honored to have that level of
0: I'm kind of glad they did because it it probably added a little bit more responsibility like oh shit people are moving out here I have to do this right now oh my god I mean, <laughs> it,
1: you know, yeah, <laughs> there, there is the added responsibility. There's also the added joy. Right? Yes, um, for sure. go hand in hand.
0: Well, yeah. you know that you, when you put the energy out, that's when the payoff happens. Like you, you believe in yourself, you have the faith, you put the energy out, the energy comes back time and time again. It's, it's pretty much universal law. As long as you have that faith and just do, yeah. you know, take the action, it's going to happen. So, Tell me about the school. It was founded in 2015. You have teachers that kind of focus on specific areas, right? There's like a Mm -hmm. collective of teachers. So if you wanted to come to your school and have a specific focus, you could do that, right?
1: Yeah, you know, we have, I've developed over these six years, you know, we've, we've had a number of different trainings and we've you know like i think we've had almost 900 students come through the school in six years wow. at some level so we've got a lot of people come through and you know we're always creating i i'm gonna lean back on this idea this is the foundation of the whole school is that being psychic is an art not a science to be a good psychic you need to train as an artist would train not as a scientist would train or a doctor would train um that really being able to be in your own psyche and sort of work with energy on a psychic level in your own space and in somebody else's, that there's a real artistry to it. So um, in the same sort of path that an artist would trod to develop their voice, right? If you think of painting, when you go to school for painting, uh, you co- first your first couple of years you copy the masters, right? Or you try to replicate style from other periods, expressionism or abstract or modernism or whatever, like you, you copy the masters because that's how you start to get your legs. And then if you're in a good training program, what happens is the teachers at some point start going like, well, let's take the training wheels off. And now what's your voice, what's your interest, what's, you know, like this is why you can have Manet and Monet and they're completely different except they're both painters and they're both expressionists. Right. It's like, that process of developing your own voice, which happens naturally in the path of the artist, is the same path we're trying to replicate here for psychics. So yeah. the whole idea of, the tr- of our training programs is to get you to a place where you start to have autonomy and you start to feel as though your life can be your canvas, can be your creative expression of sort of who you are in spirit. And that doesn't mean being a professional psychic for a lot of people. That doesn't mean being a professional healer. Um, It means bringing those gifts and those abilities to your art or a craft or your business or your professional career um, or even just your relationships. Right. Right. Like that reading and healing with energy it's not always about being commercial or commercializing it. It's about sort of being the artist first. If you're really what we know, because this is so true in the art world, if you're a really good artist, people will come to you. If you own that space and if you have a distinct and unique voice in whatever your chosen craft is, people will seek you out and find you. Yes. Um, And so if, if I can get people as psychics to start, Seeing it that way and to start working their craft in that way, I think naturally people experience sort of what they want out of that in whatever expression it ends up being.
0: So they feel these feelings. They want to expand themselves more and develop these Power. I don't, I don't, would you call them powers? Is that, is that no. a good word? What's a good word to describe I, these gifts powers
1: are so charged. Cause it I know really it, applies, it really like, is.
0: It's like one 900 over
1: other people <laughs> or like trying to change the world or trying to, you know, um, I, you know, it's really, I think of it more like a musculature. Okay. So within sort of our training programs, there's sort of a path of training and we start with clairvoyance because um, I think, the first step as a psychic is having the ability to discern what is your energy and what is not right. on a very granular level, like more granular than I think you probably even realize, right? Even when I say that, it's like, yeah, sure. Except like, I'm talking like pixels of energy, being able to determine that's not my energy. That's somebody else's in my awareness or my space. Once you sort of can own that level of discernment and sort of see energy in a very clear and direct and repeatable way. Not unlike if you're gonna be a piano master, if you're gonna play a symphony, you have to learn your, you know, like, or the guitar, right? If you learn guitar, G, A, C, great, now do them all together, now do them backwards, now do them one after the other, you know, like you have to sort of teach your body how to hold itself and how to manage the energy that you're experiencing. And that's done through clairvoyance. And then from there, you can start working out of the body in the astral realms with astral projection and working in your dreams, which is a really rich space to work. Um, I think we kind of suffer in our modern culture from a deficiency of um, ownership of our dreams and our dream space. And so learning to sort of wake up in your dreams and have your dreams become an extension of your waking life and vice versa, uh, is a really uh, cool space to work and to start to bring your consciousness to. And then from there, you, you know, there's different stuff. Like, you know, I, we have a spiritual leadership program where we teach people sort of how to be present with other people who are in spiritual growth and um, manage other people in growth, you know, kind of like sure. being a teacher or a leader. And then uh, we have a three-year channeling program Uh, that's mediumship and that's being able to bring another. So now that you've sort of mastered your own instrument, like can you bring in another energy to sort of play for you? Um, Mm. And that's cool, but you you need to be really safe in order to do that. Um, so then there's sort of all these different realms that you can play with.
0: Yeah. Well, I did notice that. it's So you're saying it starts with clairvoyance. No matter what path you take, you you learn clairvoyance yes. and the inner reading of energy, like you said, being able to go to that pixel level and determine what's yours, what's not. And then you can kind of take a specialized focus, right, from there after clairvoyance.
1: Yeah. And or you, or can you work can in all these include all of them. Because, yeah, right. You know, the whole idea is that, You know, I can take you, I can put you in meditation. I can take you up to the Akashic records, except when you get there, you're going to encounter some weird crap. And if you don't know how to handle that or how to handle yourself in that experience, it's not going to be a validating or exciting experience. It's going to be terrifying and weird. And so we sort of start with the baby steps. You, you learn the chords before you play the song, right? because then when you're playing the song, you can riff, right? <laughs> so now it's like, I'm playing horse with no name and I'm going to like add an extra, like, umph here, right. right. <laughs> and that's exciting. Then you get to sort of express yourself sure. in unique ways, but you have to sort of have the foundation underneath you so that you, so that your riff is building on not sort of an anomaly.
0: That makes sense. Yes, totally. And especially, I, I love music. I'm a big music proponent. So everything you're mm-hmm. saying is speaking to me so directly. Cool. But uh, I did think it was very interesting that the capstone of the training is mediumship. So you could say that you get everything down and the culmination of the school training is mediumship, which is contacting entities from over there, wherever that is. So tell me about that more. Tell me about mediumship for you and channeling and what that means.
1: Yeah. Well, what it means is being able to have uh, a really rich and exciting level of communication with uh, another being. What are um, these? Whether beings? that's, I mean, I don't know. Angels. So many, right? Like, sure. Like, okay. Yeah. Like there's a ton, you know, there's magical beings, fairies, elves, gnomes, like all this stuff. Like, all, you know, our human history is rich with communication and contact with out of body or non-human beings. Right. And all of that is very real. Um,
0: we just kind of lost touch with that information. It's coming back though. You can feel it coming back. I mean,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about sort of having the freedom to explore that space. And, and, to be in communication with the beings and entities that um, are exciting to you, and have information that you want to learn from or you want to share with that being, um, you know, I'm very careful in that training, and this is part of why I'm grateful that um, the students who are in that kind of training have had a couple years of experience. So there's a lot of trust built up between the students and the teachers or the students in the school. Like we're kind of all in a rich relationship of community in that space. And that's part of why it takes so long to get there. You, you can't really work with people in that space without there being a foundation of trust and communication. Right. Right. So once you get there, it's like, there's a lot of freedom and permission for the students to select and um, communicate with the beings that are exciting to them. I don't, I'm not here to, Um, put pictures on that or try to control who or what people are in communication with. I'm here to create a space where they get to open that communication for themselves and uh, have some fun. I don't (laughs) know. I think it's fun. It's like, it's, it's always, it's always like weird, like crazy stuff happens. Like it's always unexpected and wild. And that's part of the fun of it. Like it's not about achieving some goal or solving some problem. It's like, wow, I'm a medium I can channel. So like, what if I channel joy?
0: It can even be a force like that.
1: Right. Or euphoria or, um, past life relationships or like, I don't know, like I'm sort of just riffing. Sure. Sure. But I mean,
0: does the training, because the training, uh, because that type of training is the capstone, is it because you do have to be somewhat conscious of what you're doing? And I don't want to say it's dangerous to just open no, yourself. No, it is. It is dangerous to open <laughs> yourself up as a channel. Yeah. Okay. I that's, would say that. Okay, so you're saying it is dangerous to open yourself up as a channel if you're unprepared. So that's why you get that much training before you take the capstone training.
1: That and okay. If. As a sort of the teacher and the sort of owner, right? If I'm responsible for that space and I've got students opening themselves up and that's a, that's a risky thing to do. People I've seen people get overtaken by energies that are not them.
2: Whoa.
0: What, oh yeah. What it were happens they? all the time. Like not de- I mean, demons, not really demons, but just like other energies you would say.
1: I mean, I would I would say yes to all the above. Oh my God! I, we have a really great example in our pop culture that everybody will know, and it's um, what happened to that poor actor Heath Ledger, who could not clear the energy from some of the roles that he had taken on, and ended up sort of having to go so unconscious with pain medication that he ended up taking his own life. And to me, that is someone's life experience being hijacked by other entities, and that that's a real shame it is to me that's really sad
0: it is very sad it's funny you bring that up because i was thinking about that when we were talking about the actors earlier i was thinking about how some of these Mm -hmm. actors have given up so much that they either get physical uh abnormalities like Mm -hmm. michael j fox he talked about his parkinson's and how he kind of has missing parts of the consciousness there's there's an actor who Mm -hmm. played in the uh uh, television show, Malcolm in the Middle, which is on Fox in yep. the 90s. And he doesn't even remember the, that whole yep. swath of his life. And there's only one reason to me that that could happen. is that he got blanked by some of that channeling.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so I think we can look to some of these actors because so, it's so public what happened to them. And it's uh, we all have that as a common language. But I think that happens to people all the time. So if I'm going to hold that space and I'm going to help people experience the magic and the wonder of that kind of work, um, there has to be a a significant amount of trust between us. And like all relationships that takes time to develop Um, both the students to trust me as the sort of teacher and the leader of that, but also for me to trust the students that they're not going to, um, sort of blow a gasket at a a certain vibration or a certain level. And even, and that if they do and they encounter energy that uh, we can work together to clear it and I can help them and they're open to being helped and they can receive that help in a clean and easy way. So when I talk about trust, it, it really goes both ways, right? It's not just the student trusting me as the teacher, but as the teacher sort of having a relationship with the student and that that takes years to develop like any relationship
0: and i'm sure you've had people that got scared and maybe decided they didn't want to be a part of the situation anymore because they did kind of tap into that otherworldly experience
2: yeah
1: yeah that happens and then they always come back (laughs) (laughs) they freak out they run away and then they're like and i'm like okay
0: Well, I mean, you know, when people have that first expansive experience where their consciousness uh, is exposed to information that's non-local, it can freak them out because it shatters their worldview a little bit, you know? But this
1: is also why we spend a full year working clairvoyance so that you have clairvoyant tools when you encounter that or your body freaks out that you can of ground your body or you can release the energy that's um, overstimulating or too much. Um, so this is, this is the path. This is the practical path to being able to get there. And it's honestly, it's the same path. This is why I keep saying that you, like, everybody thinks this is so weird and so different, but it's the same path that a violinist would take. If you want to become a world-class violinist, if you want to play for the New York Philharmonic, like you train, you train, you train, you practice, you practice, you practice, you don't go audition for the New York Philharmonic your first year in learning to play the violin, right? Like it takes time. In a way you're developing a relationship with that instrument and that takes years to develop. And it's the same with your own body, with your own spirit, like opening up your psychic ability is you have to develop a trust with yourself and with between your sort of spirit and body so that you have communication and language in spirit and body to handle everything that you handle when you open up to that.
0: Well, let's say a person is fully committed energetically you know they're they're signing up for your school they they're just now feeling these energies and they're wanting to develop them more and they're fully committed energetically like their spirit's in place they, they want to do it. How long would you say it would take to get to a point where not that they're maybe like a master but where they were a graduate and they, they felt like they could be out there doing readings, would you say three years, four years?
1: Oh, no, a year. Oh, like okay. At the end of our year-long Art of the Seer training, you we the training is sort of patterned and created to give you pretty much what I think is all the tools you need to go out and give someone an hour-long reading. Um, but, you know, and I've had people ask me before, like, well, what's the... Uh, what would it, what's the words they use? I can never remember. It's like, what's the success rate or what's the conversion rate for your graduates or like how many of your graduates are like full-time you know, this? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, like I don't, number one, I don't know. If I have something like that. Number two, I, again, I don't think that's the point. That's and not you're the coming point. Into yeah. this, if you're coming into this work with that being the point, I, this is not the right school for you. Like, I'm not here to train an army of psychic robots who are out there reading people. I'm here to um, be in community and to work with people who wanna be psychic artists and who wanna open up that artistic side of themselves and use their psychic abilities to become creatives. And I think that takes so many different forms and to look at it simply as, you know, what, what does it take to be successful at this? That's like saying, if I go to art school, how long will it take for me to sell a million dollar painting? Right. And it's like, will, will you ever, I don't, no one knows that. It just kind of sets
0: you on the right path.
1: Right. And it's an inner path. And so it's all about what you give to yourself and then how you have that.
0: Well, I mean, you, you just said the, uh, the seer training was a year, but there's other trainings like the path of the mystic and spiritual leadership. So you could, once you learn everything, you, then you can do the mediumship, right?
1: Yeah. So it's a year for art of the seer, and then a year for art of the dreamer, which is our sort of astral travel, astral projection training. Okay. And then, um, and then you can go into art of the Oracle, which is our mediumship training after that. That's so that you could do that year three. Um, technically, I think if you were to take everything, it's like a six or seven year track. If you wanted to take all the trainings, right. um, but people take breaks. I mean, sure. The other thing, the other thing, and I feel like this is always worth acknowledging, is that this is this is hard.
0: It's not really just about developing these gifts, it's also a path of personal development, wouldn't you say?
1: Correct a hundred percent. And you have to have a job because you have to pay your tuition. Right. <laughs> Most people have families and relationships. So you're experiencing all of this like intense, hypercharged growth. It's a lot of growth in very small containers because a year is really not that long to open up your clairvoyance, but like we're going to get you there, right? So it's, I work intensely. I'm an intense person. So everything here is sort of at the vibration of intensity. Um, And you have to have, like you have to be out in the world having and taking care of your life at the same time. Sure. Now that is by design because I think if you can do that, The two support each other. So everything you're learning in your training about sort of your psychic abilities and your psychic tools, you're applying every day in the real world when you leave here or leave class.
0: And even aspects. And then
1: all of your experiences, right? And then in your experiences in the world, you're bringing those experiences into class. And hey, teacher, I had this experience at work where like I read this weird energy, and then this thing happened, and we're like, oh my god, let's talk about that. What a cool example, right? So the sort of forcing people to sort of be in the world and be in this space of hyper growth is by design because the two when working together can really support each other. But there are weeks and I have students all the time. They're like, what's happening to me? I don't know what's happening. (laughs) I can't get out of
2: bed. I'm
1: freaking out. And I'm like, I know just have a beer,
2: (laughs) put on a movie,
1: like chill out, like just like ride the wave, like just let it, But this is, to do this is a very intense
0: thing. Because you are taking on other people's energy as well, right? It's not just your own personal development. You're dealing with, especially if you're taking on clients, you're dealing with dozens, if not hundreds of people's energies. And then you start to read the energies of people around you in your daily life, whether you're at the grocery store mm -hmm. or anywhere that you're out interacting with human energy fields.
1: Yeah. My hope is, and part of what we're trying to teach is how not to take all that on, but that's like turning the Titanic, right? Right. It's like, it's like like turning an ocean liner. It like takes time to retrain your body, how to change those energy patterns. And um, yeah, but I, like, I don't say this to scare people because obviously I'm passionate about this and I love when people are passionate about it as I am, but it's, it's hard. It's not for everybody. You know, my, um, I think a great example is my own brother um, who, I, you know, I see him at the holidays and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he's like, how's that uh, thing that you do? Like, he can't even say the word, it's so challenging to him. Like, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years and he still can't bring himself to say the word psychic because uh, it challenges everything inside of him and his worldview and sort of what he knows to be true. And so, like, it's also not for everyone. Not everyone can sort of do this the way we're doing it. And that's okay. Like, there's lots of other stuff out there. There's other ways to be psychic, there's other ways to train. Um, and they're all valid.
0: Sure. And if people develop these gifts and they start to use them for personal gain, whether it's trying to read, uh, I don't know poker or something like where you're trying to read energy to see if who has what hand or anything. Is that negative? Does that generate some sort of negative energy in your life?
1: No, I have a good friend who's a psychic who um, reads the markets and has made a ton of money.
0: Right. So it's so. I mean, really, it's as long as you're not persecuting humans. I mean, that has its own <laughs> negative energy. As long as you're not keeping humanity down.
1: I mean, listen, are we talking about like somebody reading the stock market or are we talking about like Silence of the Lambs kind of stuff? Or, like, uh, you're <laughs> holding someone hostage in your base. Like, the, I don't know. There's right. nuance in your question, Jake, where it's like, you know.
0: Well, I, people always say, no, oh, I guess this really just boils down to people have said in the past, spiritual people that, you know, oh, you, you know, you develop these gifts in life, your personal power, and you use them for, for financial gain or whatever that it generates bad karma or some form of that.
1: That's not actually how karma works.
0: I don't think so um, either personally, but I've just heard, you know, we, these are things yeah. that are definitely been out there.
1: Yeah. I think that's a lovely thing that people have used to control psychics in the past from having more than them.
2: Ooh, I, like being psychic,
1: is not, being psychic is not fair. And if you're going to spend 10 <laughs> years developing your clairvoyance, like you can damn well believe that. I think you have the right to go read the markets and make some money off that. If you've, put that time and effort into developing your abilities. who gets to decide how much you can have from that. It's no different than saying like, should someone who went to Juilliard for music have, you know, less opportunity than someone who just picked up a guitar on the street. Like right. if you're going to put the energy and the attention and the mo- like, you know, it costs money to be in a training program for years. Like right. if you're going to invest in yourself at that level, who gets to decide what you get to do with that? I like, that's not for me to decide or you or right. anyone, I don't think. And I think if you use that in a nefarious way, um, that's between you and between you and power. whoever's in charge. Yeah. I don't know. That's not, <laughs> that really, not yeah. my problem. It's <laughs> right. not my responsibility either. <laughs> right. That's
0: an interesting way to look at it because, you know, I think the divine does want, us to be successful in our daily lives whatever that is that great mystery uh wants us to be successful so if we apply techniques to our lives to become more successful we're happier and we're serving more and we're benefiting others how is that negative in any way that you know what i mean
1: again i think there's a great big lie in there in 20 years of doing this i have never had a classmate or a colleague or a student who is like, I want to master this so I can go make a couple billion dollars and like, like buy a bunch of slaves or like (laughs) give money to like, I I don't know, like some weird
0: organization keeping humanity down. Yeah. Yeah. Like I,
1: like I've never encountered anyone that's like, I want to do this to do something really nefarious with it ever. So I I don't even think that's real. So
0: you think that like, just if you're in the frequency range of experiencing things, these things, you're already a loving conscious person in some way.
1: I think if, I think if you want to do bad things to people, going to a psychic training is not how you would.
0: achieve.
1: (laughs) I think there's, Far easier ways to go be nasty to people than that.
0: Well, you know, I think that all the people that go to your school are the best people. And I think (laughs) that uh, what you're doing is amazing, to be completely honest. Like, no one, like the people I've interacted with from your school so far have been amazing. I had a reading done, a past life reading. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, tell Um, me
1: about that. Tell me about your experience with that.
0: Okay, so... I've never had anything done like that before. I've had psychic readings done and, and tarot readings, but I've never mm-hmm. had a past life reading. So I was incredibly excited. But of course, as a human, your natural inclination is to be like, "Okay, pharaoh, king, uh, general, I mean, yeah, right." You you're like ready.
1: Very, I'm sure I was very <laughs> special. In <all> my <laughs>
0: yeah, life. You're I'm ready. You're now. like, come on. you're. Like, you're you want to hear about how you were this spiritual leader that that changed the world. It's probably not that way for everyone. So, however, you know, I got my reading and, I, and uh, I dealt with Tiara and Tiara was the person mm-hmm. who was overseeing it and she did an incredible job and I was with a student who was still in training. Unfortunately, I, I think her name was Tina. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I'm sorry, but she was incredible That's as great. well and she started going into my past lives. Well... Maybe I was a pharaoh. Maybe I was a king. Maybe I was the, uh, a queen or whatever in my previous lives. But uh, it didn't show up this time. But she started talking about how she could see me on a beach near this boat. and I was having trouble getting food for my family <laughs> and my family lived nearby. I'm listening to her and the strangest thing happened. The strangest thing happened. I started having what I could only describe as half memories. And it wasn't anything in the visualization Mm -hmm. realm where people are, you know, you're reading a book and you're visualizing, let's say, Frodo and the Lord of the Rings or something Mm -hmm. or whatever you're reading. And it's different. It was a different type of visualization. It was a half memory. And it really started to trip me out. I was like, whoa, like, Mm -hmm. what is this? Like, wow. Because then you feel the authenticity of it. And you're like, okay. So I had this life where I was uh, having problems feeding my family, and I was really stressed about getting resources together. And I was on the beach, and and you start to kind of resonate with that. And the reading was amazing. She started talking about feelings, and the next life that she went into really, really kind of hit a hit a tone because she started talking about how I had this important message to deliver for this a troop of soldiers. It was during the revolutionary war and I was near the reason region of France. And I had this important message to deliver. And I was on this kind of like a trail or long trek on foot to get to the destination where I needed to deliver the message. And it was a folded up message on paper and it was in my pocket. And she said that I, as I was walking, I was continually checking my pocket to make sure that I didn't lose whatever I had. Like I had this anxiety. Well, that struck a chord because I do that in my own life. Now, <laughs> every time I have something important, whether it's like, let's say it's like a wad of cash or some important papers or something that I just can't lose. I put it in a top pocket where she said it was And I consistently. I, it's like a nervous tick or something. I, like, I always check it every five years. Like, oh, is, that, is that thing still there? Whoa. So that yeah. So I was like, okay, wow, this is amazing. That actually struck another chord and you know, it, it just showed me that we have these lives not all of them are pharaohs not all of them are going to be the ones that you know the las vegas lives that you you hope you had but um <laughs> you know but they're it's it's real i'm gonna
1: steal that jake i'm gonna steal that Remember, <laughs> that's a great that's a great term
0: the glitz the glamour you know yeah and, right uh, <laughs> oh my god but uh you know it, it, people have these real lives but but you don't know the purpose of that life, but that life had some purpose in your story. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was the most interesting thing that that these lives, they could be plain, They could have had significance of some level or some degree, but they Mm -hmm. all had some influence on your greater life story, your soul story. And I think that that was the most profound experience that I had from that past life reading.
1: Yeah. Well, past lives are such a rich uh, thing to look at. We spend maybe four or five weeks in the art of the seer training, teaching people how to read past lives and why you would spend time on that and and how to help somebody clear some of the energy from past lives. Um, But what what I find most interesting about it, you know, the Irish, there's an old Irish saying that says the past isn't in the past. And what they mean when they say that is that you're carrying the past with you all the time. the past actually doesn't exist. All the energy from the past is sort of always with you um, unless you clear it or remove it. Um, And with past lives, I, I find that to be really interesting and this is what I'm talking about with that level of discernment. Um, You know, you've had past lives as a spirit in different bodies and different um, you know, cultures and different geographical locations, different times, different space, you know, like most people have had, a couple hundred lifetimes at minimum in a wide variety of human experience. And that's so interesting to go look at, but then also your body has a ton of past life information from your genetic lineage and all of the bodies that existed to create your body back through your sort of genetic timeline. Right. And so what I find so interesting to go look at in past lives is not just the past life where you were, you know, an Aborigine in Australia like uh, 2,000 years ago or something, which can have very direct relevance spiritually to sort of your behaviors and your life experience now. There's things you've carried with you from that. But then also how that intersects with your sort of physical body and the past life information that you carry in your genetics and how those two things are kind of constantly in collaboration with each other to create your current lifetime, right? (sighs) a great, for instance, is like, um, it's mind blowing. I have a, I have a good friend who's Irish, very Irish and, um, like grandparents off the boat, Irish, like (laughs) a lot of, um, Irish lineage there. Um, deep Irish and deep Irish (laughs) and has a lot of like, it's funny. There's a lot of genetic information that I've helped this person clear around the potato famine and being like survivor's guilt of being a family that had enough when so many families around you had nothing and the guilt that comes down on a physical level through the genes for ha- like the sur- the trauma of survivor's guilt coming down through the bodies mm. and how that alchemizes with spiritual experiences and other past lives in other bodies and other regions and creates this kind of really dynamic moment to moment dance between the body's experience physically, and the spirits experience in other bodies. I know,
0: right? It's it's a lot to you think. It's a lot that's juggling itself around. It's it's mixing and because you then you take We're, it. We
1: are that complicated.
0: And then astrology also plays a role too, right? Would you, mm-hmm. you would say so? Then you're sure, of course like you add that into the mix, and it's a whole lot of corresponding information creating the you of the moment. You could say
1: right so that's you know some people are like you know especially in the art of the seer training you're sitting in a a minimum of two hours of reading practicums reading labs a week so you're sitting in a minimum of two to four readings a week but we have six labs which sometimes have two per hour so you could sit in a minimum of a a maximum of 12 readings a week basically um, which is extraordinary an extraordinary amount of reading and the students practice on outside clients like you came in for a reading, but they also practice on, them, on each other, other classmates and people in their classes, other students at the school sometimes. Um, and sometimes people are like, how can I get that many readings until you start getting that many readings? And you're like, oh, crap, like there's so much to become conscious to that's going on behind the scenes in a way. The human experience is so complicated except we've been sort of put to sleep to think that all that we are is consumers, right? right? We wake up, we get our coffee, we go to work, we make enough money to pay our rent. We go home, we watch TV, we go to bed. Like, except that there's this richness inside of you, this whole inner life, this inner world that you may be unconscious to, or you may not have your sort of self-awareness turned inward to, I think we would call that navel gazing, right? (laughs) Back in the (laughs) nineties. But like there, there really is that much to become aware of inside of yourself. It's an endless, endless magical journey. Right. There's always more.
0: The human experience is yet to be fully unlocked. You could say like we're living in an Mm -hmm. incredibly short bandwidth of what our potential is. And it's not even – and like you said, we've been programmed that we're just kind of like consumers, you know, the sleep, eat, work, die cycle. But there's so much more. But why? what are these nefarious forces that want to keep humanity down in this way? Why did we evolve to this point? What happened?
1: I don't think anything happened. I think this is just part of it. I think there – I think the information revolution is as significant as the industrial revolution was
2: sure. 200
1: years ago. Um, and I think just like we're just now understanding the outcome of the industrial revolution 200 years ago, I think we're 200 years away from understanding how our smartphones have affected our consciousness. Like, I think the, the, the arcs of these things are longer than any one human lifetime. So it's almost impossible within the lifetime to understand what's really happening, which is why reading past lives is so beneficial and so helpful is because f- with perspective and retrospect, you can sort of see yourself from a different point of view or vantage point. Right. And so, I, you know, like I think some people like to go down the rabbit hole of the conspiracies and the, you know, the, the, the things That's what we do here. To, Hold us down. I know Jake. You're, I, I, namaste. Um, but I choose to sort of work from a place of like, I don't think it's worth it to put our attention on the problem. I think what's worth it is to acknowledge that maybe there's things that aren't working or there's thing there's places where we've gotten stuck, but that's also not a problem. We were always going to get stuck. You have to get stuck to get unstuck. unstuck right? If you're going to, if you want to learn about something, you kind of go do the opposite thing so that then you can learn about the other thing. Like if you're if you wanna know what it's like to be rich, go be poor. I mean, that's encoded in our mythologies and our fables, right? That's the Prince and the Pauper story which has been around for eons, right? It's like if you really wanna appreciate being rich or having money, you go put yourself in an experience where you don't have it so that you learn what that's like and then you can sort of have and appreciate the opposite experience once you get there, right? Does that and, make sense?
0: Yes, totally. And also, you could say that the flowering of humanity, our growth, where we're going, is unstoppable, because you're, you know, where we are right now is where we were going before. We're exactly where we're supposed to be, and our development, our wherever we go as humans into a better place, a better form of existence, without conflict, united. As a world, I mean, together. I've it's unstoppable. I've read all
1: the Frank Herbert books. I've read Dune. I've read all the Dune books. Yeah, like, and not only is it unstoppable, but it's constantly creating and destroying, or, or constantly s- it's cyclic. So there has to be a the flower, the lotus has to die in order to blossom again the next season, right? So there's always this interplay and this patterning of um, things coming together, things falling apart, of people becoming conscious and then people going unconscious. I think we've gone unconscious for a couple decades. Yeah. And so now there's this more like, more. We're becoming conscious again, you know, and it's like, that's rough. Like waking up in the morning is a rough thing for most people. Right. Like right. coming back into the body is like, wait, where uh, uh, crusties in my eyes, my slept on my shoulder wrong. Like, uh, this is very uncomfortable to wake up. You know, I think that's kind of what we're in.
0: But we're waking up and man, do we have a bright destiny. We have an incredible <laughs> destiny as humans, emissaries of love and light through the universe. Once we get out of our shell, once we, you know, kind of wake up and get to that next place, man, we're going to have an incredible experience, even more than we have now.
1: I think, and this is my personal opinion, okay. this is not the view of Portland Psychic <laughs> School or the view of like, I'm, this is just me personally, William chatting to Jake. I think that life is so extraordinary. It is a miracle that we're even here. And we're learning that the more we look out in the solar system, right? And we're not, you know, we haven't found anything like us yet, right? I think it's so extraordinary that we're even here. I think it's so extraordinary that we've created what we've created. There has to be a point to that. There has to be a reason why we would go through all this pain and suffering and try to get our space with that, try to understand and appreciate sort of like I was saying, if you want to have something, you go have the opposite. Right. Right. So I think there has to be a point to all this. It's so hard and it's so awful most of the time, (laughs) that why would we do this? Why would life exist if it was meant to be awful all the time? It just, this has to be going somewhere. Right. And like you
0: said, we're now, I guess you could say in the poor phase of human experience and we're going to be moving (laughs) into the rich phase and we're experiencing the poorness right now we're going to experience that greatness that's coming
1: my my hope is that there's universal health care in the (laughs) phase and that we get out of that struggle at some point (laughs) yeah we will
0: and we will because we are divine beings it's part of our path we are flowering as we said and we're we're moving towards that new earth It's, it's just a process but you're helping people with your school and I want to direct people there. You can find Williams school at Portland psychic dot school. So that's just that's like the correct. city, Portland psychic dot school. And do you do personal readings? Like if people went to your personal website do, yeah. and wanted to contact yeah, I, you,
1: so I have a reading practice. I see clients online and in person. We also teach online. Everything we offer, we offer online and in person. So, um, I would say about I would say about 50% of our students are not in Portland.
0: Right, so, so you could be anywhere in the world and go through the mm-hmm. entire curriculum successfully. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And if people want to get readings from you, of course it's williampacholsky.com, right? Yeah. Just all yeah, one word. And you know, there's so many different types of trainings that you can take at the school culminating in the mediumship training, but once you're enrolled, they have retreats which I thought were Fascinating, really. You can go to places like Well,
1: we're starting retreats again. Okay. You're we'll not see, there yet. We'll see how this goes. Yeah, <laughs> like you know. In theory. We, we got really we got really excited about a month ago when everything was looking up, and now of course the world is um changing again uh, and are the challenges of the world are changing again. So um we currently have a retreat planned for this October at the Oregon Coast, which will be really fun. Right. We rented like this big, this big old house, and we're gonna go um, kind Of recreate a temple of Asclepios from ancient Greek times, which is when you invite in uh sort of Greek gods and goddesses as healing agents, um, in your dreams. So, we're going to go do that, and then next spring we have a retreat in Sedona, yes, uh, a mediumship retreat where we're going to sort of work with some out of body energy, some higher vibrational. It's a
0: powerful spot. place, I've been there a few times.
1: Sedona's. A- Fun, man!
0: Yeah, it's wild. It's cool.
1: We're gonna we're gonna go meditate at the vortexes, and like, I don't know, maybe we'll find some aliens or some there's some out there stuff happening in Sedona.
0: I I wasn't gonna talk about me, but I have my only UFO photo just because you brought it up was uh. from a vortex in Sedona, and I didn't take it intentionally. I was taking pictures of my sons, and we went back to the house to look at the photos, and in one frame was the two children, and in the next frame you could see the craft.
2: It was pretty oh, amazing. Awesome. So there's so much energy going on in Sedona. <laughs> and if you're
0: a student, you can be a part of these retreats if they're flowing, you yeah. know, reg- if the restrictions aren't in place. These things are a part of the school. So if you're interested, you want to yeah. sign up for this school, go check it out. Check out what these incredible teachers. It's not just William. There's a whole staff of incredible educators in this field. Portland, yeah, Psychic, dot School. Time. Yes, they're having an incredible time. The divine experience. We talk about this on our podcast all the time. The divine experience has to be fun and funny. It's not just intense. Divine experience Uh, can be fun and funny.
1: Life, life is hard enough. (laughs) Why would, why would you, why would you go activate your psychic abilities to make everything very serious? Exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, William, thank you so much for being on the show. Do you have anything you want to leave our audience with before you go? Any words of wisdom?
1: No, I, i I just want to be in gratitude. It was, I, again, like I said, like I wake up every day and choose this and I'm constantly in awe that it even gets to exist and that I get to do this. Um, And I'm always grateful for the opportunity to talk about it because I'm, I, I feel such a strong vocation with this work and it's helped me personally so much. And I love watching other people's transformation. And so any, any opportunity to talk about that i'm always grateful for so thank you jake
0: yeah well it's a passion it's an authentic passion and it it's actually educating people in a way where they're out there serving more so you, you know you got to check it out portland yeah. psychic.school william hold on the line while we listen to the outro music everyone we'll see you next week midnight on earth